For those of you who are guests this morning, we've been doing a series during the latter part of lockdown on uh, going to the promised land. And uh, we've, um, we've, we've been through the Exodus, coming through the Red Sea, going into the, uh, going into the wilderness. So today we're looking at Rahab and the spies from Joshua 2. Now, uh, just need to recap a bit because so that we know where we're coming from. A couple of weeks back, we had Michael Wadsworth speaking to us. And he was speaking about the time when uh, the Israelites had gone into the wilderness, they'd received the law, and they'd walked and walked, and they were now right on the edge of the promised land. And Moses spends, sends 12 spies out into the land, one from each tribe, just to, to spy out what the land is. And uh, they, the spies come back and they say that uh, the land is exactly what God said it was, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it was all very positive, and then they, but there was the but. But there are giants in the land. And, um, and they, they, as they, Michael brought it out beautifully well, how from the positive they gradually got more and more negative until they were totally convinced we can't take it. And the people decide they're not going to go forward uh, because they're never going to make it. And as a result, God consigns them to for 40 years wandering in the wilderness so a complete generation would die out. And then Dave Richards last week, he, 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 38 years had gone by and uh, the people have been wandering in the wilderness and they're still grumbling. And uh, Moses uh, needs to get some water and God says to him to speak to the rock and it will give water. Instead, Moses is really angry with the people, so he strikes that rock and the water comes out. But because he was disobedient, God declares that Moses would not himself lead the people into the promised land. So, uh, so now we're moved on and we're now in the, uh, the, the, the uh, Israelites. They've fought a few battles, they've won some battles, and they're now settling in the plains of Moab just on the side of the Jordan River, ready to strike out to go into the promised land that they've been waiting for for so long. I must say, I can't completely at this point go into Rahab and the spies without actually going back a bit and can't ignore what happened to Moses in that time. Because they, once they'd arrived on the plains of Moab, they, Moses says it climbed, Moses climbs to the top of Mount Nebo and God shows him the promised land. Now there is, uh, there is the promised land from the top of Mount Nebo. And um, this is quite um, poignant for Diane and I because uh, back in 2018, we had the privilege of, of traveling to uh, the nation of Jordan. And uh, we, we went to the top of Mount Nebo and we stood on that place where Moses stood. And uh, it, I found it really, really moving as thinking to myself, as Moses stood here all those thousands of years ago, what was he thinking as he looked over? Was he thinking, I've done what God's asked me to do. I've brought these people out. I've led them for 40 years and here is the land they now can go in. Or was he saying, but I'm not allowed to go in there myself. It must have been a very, very difficult time. And while he's up there, God says to him, it reaffirms this thing. This is the land I've promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will never cross over into it. What a sad situation that was for Moses. And, uh, uh, and, then, and then further on, it says that Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. He was buried in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. I mean, what, what a, a sad thing. You know, it was in the habit of the Israelites to their great leaders that they would gather up their bones and carry them with them. And you'd think they'd carry Moses' bones into the promised land, but no. And I wonder if that's part of God's plan was that um, Moses, not even his bones, should go into the promised land. And you think that's a bit tough on a man who's served the Lord so much for 40 years. You know, and uh, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? But I, as you think about it, here is a man who, uh, it says he met face to face with the Lord. He was a man who was, had been with God and he'd spoken face to face with God on a regular basis. And there would have been an intimacy of relationship there. And in that intimacy, probably there was, uh, there was room for a lot more um, for God to speak in a, a stronger way. The wonderful thing is that, you know, that for Moses, it says at the end of Deuteronomy that there wasn't a man, a greater prophet in all Israel at that time or ever since. So we know that despite the fact that Moses perhaps was thwarted in his immediate hopes, what he, he could see, he never complains. You never see a word of complaint about the way God treated him. And I think he probably knew that he was going to be with his Lord and he was going to a better place. So that is, uh, that's Moses for you. And I've got a question to come out of that. Have you ever been involved in some project to which you, have, you gave your life and soul, perhaps over many years, but felt when it came to an end that you had not been appreciated for what you'd done? Now think about that, have you? I know I have. How do you feel about that now? As you consider it, what is God saying to you? Okay, we'll move on now. And um, we're coming into the main story now. And uh, I'm going to read to you uh, Joshua chapter 2, but I'm going to read a summary for the sake of brevity. Um, it's the, the, it goes like this. Joshua secretly sent two men to spy out the land of Canaan and the city of Jericho, in particular, they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. This woman hid the two men from her country's officials in Jericho. Rahab told the two spies her country had been filled with terror since they heard of the favour God, God bestowed on the children of Israel. The people of Jericho had discovered what the Lord did for Israel, from Egypt all the way to the Amorites across the river. This included the total defeat of two powerful Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. She knew that the Lord was with them and more significantly that the Lord indeed was the true God. Therefore, she did what any wise person would do if they knew they were on the losing team. She made a covenant with the spies. The agreement she made with Israel was that if she helped the spies escape, then she and all her family would be protected when they attacked the city. 
They agreed to the plan to remember her by tying a scarlet cord to the window of her house, so when Israel stormed the land, her family would be passed over. The two spies returned and told Joshua the report that the people of Jericho's hearts had melted in fear of Israel. Therefore, they should move quickly, for the Lord has truly given the land to them. So let's look, the, let's look at, here they are sitting uh, in Moab on the, on the east side of the River Jordan. And over the other side of the Jordan is this city of Jericho. Now, um, Israel by this time were used to having battles, but those battles were, had been pitched battles out in the field. They'd never yet uh, had to besiege a city. So this was a di different kettle of fish altogether. Um, if you can see on the slide here, this, this is uh, an artist's impression of what Jericho might have looked like around that time. It's got two walls, uh, it's a big city, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it, some people have suggested that Jericho is the oldest city in the world. Certainly, it was the oldest city that, that was fortified with walls. So they've got this uh, quite amazing obstacle in front of them. Um, and uh, like, uh, li like Moses before him, Joshua, who is now being commissioned and is leading the people of Israel, um, uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua decides to send some spies in. But this time it's different. Instead of choosing representatives from the leaders of the 12 tribes, he just picks two men secretly, men whom he could trust, and he sends them into uh, he sends them into the city. And uh, th these men go in, and we we've listened to the the story. They they get hidden in the house of of Rahab, and uh, she tells them what's going on in the city. And eventually they escape and. Um, uh, they returned to Joshua. Now, 40 years earlier, the spies had reported this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, this is what these spies now say. The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear before us. What a totally different message that brings. Uh, they've got this huge city in front of them, and at that stage, nobody knew how they were going to uh, how they were going to take the city. But all they know is they, they, their eyes are not focused on their size; they're focused on the Lord, and they are clear that the Lord has given the land into their hands. So let's get on with it. So, uh, so here's another question for you. Do you, do you recall a seemingly impossible situation in your life where you just knew that the Lord was going to carry you through and so you could face it with faith? Can you see a situation ahead where we, as God's people, are likely to face a similar challenge? If we look at ourselves, we will appear as grasshoppers in the face of the challenge. But if we look at the Lord we will find that we can achieve things that we never dreamt we could achieve. And now I want to go on to talk about 
Rahab the prostitute. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's quite wonderfully outrageous of God to use such a character in His great plan for Israel. Uh, he has a habit of doing things like that, doesn't he? Probably Rahab. It doesn't say much about Rahab, but what she probably was was she she was an innkeeper. She probably had a house in the walls. It says it, her house was in the walls of that great city of Jericho which was a place that would have been a trading center for traders coming in coming in and out. So they'd have had a lot of foreign people coming in and out and maybe they would have stayed in her home and it would have been a mixture of hotel and brothel and there would have been this thing going on. So it's probably quite a good place for the spies to, to go and stay. Um, but despite uh, Despite the pagan culture around her, and Rahab, of course, would have heard all the gossip, everything that's going on, she'd have known what was going on in the city, and she was listening to what people were saying. She recognised that God was uh, the, the true God. I think that's amazing. And uh, she, despite the pagan culture around her, she saw who the real God was. And when she found the spies, she knew what side her bread should be buttered. So she, she took her action of protecting the spies. And as a result, they learnt all about the, uh, all about the fear in, in, in uh, Jericho. And they were able to take, escape and take back a, a very positive story to, uh, to Joshua. I think that story echoes forward, if you can echo forward, to uh, that amazing story in John chapter 8 of uh, the woman caught in adultery being brought before Jesus where they tried to trick him to say what, what should we do with her and in that amazing story Jesus is so calm and so beautifully handles the situation and you know he, he says to them uh, let him who is without sin uh, let him cast the first stone and, uh, and of course, they all have to sl slink away. Uh, and then he, he looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? And she says, there's nobody here. And he says, I, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And he's effectively saying to her, I'm not interested in your past. I'm only interested in your future. Go and sin no more. And here's a woman whose past was obviously rather questionable. But God's saying to her, I'm not interested in your past. I'm only interested in your future. Such was the trans, uh, transformation in Rahab's life that after she, the, the city had been taken, she obviously be becomes part of Israel's tribes. It, she's mentioned three times in the New Testament. In Matthew 1 verse 7, they have the genealogy of Abraham through to Jesus Christ. And we discover that Rahab became the great-great-grandmother of King David. And ultimately, therefore, she was in the lineage of Jesus. She was one of only four women mentioned in that genealogy. In Hebrews 11, verse 31, she's included as one of the heroes of faith for what she did at Jericho. And in James 2.25, she is commended 
because she had her faith in God, but she put her life on the line in, for that faith in order to protect the spies. And she's commended for that. So here we go. Uh, here's another question for you. Right, I forgot to bring those up. So there are those. Okay, if you can write those down. So here's another question for you. It is outrageous that God should use a prostitute to fulfill his plans for Israel. Can you ask God to search your own heart to reveal what prejudices against people of all sorts may still lurk under the surface? I mean, in this day and, in this day and age, we are always being questioned about our prejudices, whether it's, uh, whether it's racial prejudice, whether it's gender prejudice, whether it's LGBT prejudice, Whatever it is, we're being accused of prejudice. Uh, we're not being judged by the world, we're judged by God. So ask yourselves, what prejudices do you still have that God may want to speak to you about? Okay, I'm just going to close this now with a, a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you for these amazing stories. We thank you for the way you took that people of Israel the miracles that you did for them. We thank you that we, uh, we can learn of those stories. We can see of the amazing things that you did and the way you took impossible situations and you led them right through them. And that is an encouragement to us, Lord, to know that we are not restricted by our own limitations, Lord. We are not grasshoppers. We may be naturally grasshoppers in our own eyes, but in your eyes, we are more than conquerors. And Lord, we just pray that in our own lives and we as the people of God might, might stand with you and, and Father be encouraged by faith to be able to walk forward in faith, to grasp that faith and to do impossible things, Lord, that we might as a church, Hope Community Church, we might go out and do some impossible things, Lord, in order to bring glory to your name in this town of Basingstoke and in this, uh, in this borough and into the nation beyond it, Lord. So we give thanks to you this day for this encouragement and pray you will strengthen our hearts, build our faith, and that, Lord, we might be worthy to be called your people. Amen.